My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you, with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Now a man was ill, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who had anointed the Lord with perfumed oil and dried his feet with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus who was ill. So the sisters sent word to Jesus saying, Master, the one you love is ill. When Jesus heard this, he said, This illness is not to end in death, but is for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was ill, he remained there for two days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just trying to stone you, and you want to go back there? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in a day? If one walks during the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks at night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. He said this and then told them, Our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I am going to awaken him. So the disciples said to him, Master, if he's asleep, he will be saved. But Jesus was talking about his death. Well, they thought, that he meant ordinary sleep. So then Jesus said to them clearly, Lazarus has died, and I am glad for you that I was not there, that you may believe. Let us go to him. So Thomas, called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go to die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, only about two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary sat at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise. Martha said to him, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I've come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary secretly, saying, The teacher is here and is asking for you. As soon as she had heard this, she rose quickly and went to him. For Jesus had not yet come into the village but was still where Martha had met him. So when the Jews who were with her in the house comforting her saw Mary get up quickly and go out, they followed her.
presuming that she was going to the tomb to weep there. But Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him. She fell at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her weeping, he became perturbed and deeply troubled and said, where have you laid him? They said to him, sir, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have done something so that this man would not have died? So Jesus, perturbed again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay across it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the dead man's sister, said to him, Lord, by now there will be a stench. He's been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. I know that you always hear me. But because of the crowd here, I have said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, tied hand and foot with burial bands, and his face was wrapped in a cloth. So Jesus said to them, I untie him and let him go. Now many of the Jews who had come to Mary and seen what he had done, began to believe in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. A thousand days. He couldn't believe it, that it actually had been A thousand days. When he had started, he didn't think there was any way he could truly change his attitudes, his behaviors, and his perceptions about himself and truly be free of this thing. This thing he hated but felt powerless to stop doing. The thing he struggled with, although when he was truthful with himself, he felt that was a lie. How can he say he struggled with something that he kept going back and doing? This thing that the tempter's voice kept numbing him with lies, telling him he was powerless to resist falling into the sin, or that there were far worse things that other people were doing, or that he wasn't hurting anyone else, it was just a private thing, that everyone was doing this, so that must make it all right, or at least understandable. For years, he had gone from scrupulously going to confession multiple times a week whenever he had a fall to cease going to the sacrament for extended periods of time because either he felt like he was using confession as a presumption of God's mercy because he knew he'd be coming back again confessing the same thing over and over or staying away because he felt like a fraud whenever he said the act of contrition and got to the point where he promised to sin no more. 
thinking these were empty words and an empty promise. But over a thousand days ago, before he was going to an important event and wanting to be in a state of grace for this particular mass, he found himself going to confession again and relieved to be spiritually prepared for this momentous occasion. Even though he had been at Mass his entire life, countless times, this day and this Mass, he heard something and saw something different. He encountered Jesus Christ differently this day. Jesus' voice, his presence was familiar for sure, but there was a, a newness, a seriousness that most definitely was different. As he received communion and kind of got lost in prayer, he felt like Jesus was asking him some questions. Like, what if you believed it was possible to stop falling into this sinful pattern? What if you put more energy and focus into thinking something could be different as you have thought for years it was impossible to change? What if you stopped doing this on your own? And truly let me into this area of shame in your life. And we worked together to put this sinful pattern to death. He knew this sounded and even felt different. He could hear the tempter laughing, saying, We've heard this before. You've gone through streaks of time, even months before. But eventually you cave and you will again. But his faith had come alive in a new way that brought a a trust and, and a vision where he would start focusing on the day before him and just pray for Jesus's help to get through this one day at a time. And days became weeks and weeks became months and months became years. And now it was a thousand days. A thousand days are this out-of-the-norm marker. It's easier to have like a monthly reminder like the 10th of the month or even a yearly anniversary like April 18th of every year. But when you're counting days, there's this, this daily commitment, this daily reminder, and it becomes incredibly personal. And as the counter hit this monumental number, 1,000 days... He was humbled and overwhelmed with gratitude for God's love that accomplished in him what he never thought was possible and could never do on his own, giving him freedom and and health, but even more, in intimacy with the Lord. He had only heard about, read about, but now intimately treasured. This encounter with Jesus altered his vision of everything, of himself, of the world, of others, and God himself. He could now say that not only did he believe God could bring life from death, but he had experienced it himself. Throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus has been saying who he is, demonstrating who he is in in ways that John calls signs. Signs seem a more appropriate term than simply miracles 
Because when we call them miracles, they can kind of get us to focus primarily on the act that's happening. So like a leper being completely cleansed and restored, that's a miracle. And people are in shock and awe at how that person's life has been, been changed by that unexpected healing. Signs demand us look at Jesus. Focus on how this specific act points to something bigger about Jesus who's performing the miracle. John's gospel shares seven signs with us. Starting with water being turned into wine at the wedding of Cana. Then there's this healing of an official's son. Then there's the healing of a paralytic followed by the the feeding of 5,000. Then the healing of the man born blind, which we just heard and reflected on last Sunday in the gospel. And now today's sign, sign number six, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. The signs have all been escalating in dramatic impact and importance. Each of them left people excited and amazed confused, disoriented, because they all defied logic. They all defied people's own life experiences. But people could still kind of distance themselves from each of those signs, try to explain these things away, chalk them up as mysterious, particularly for those who had personal knowledge of someone being paralyzed or blind or comfortable enough that they have their own food, they can get their own wine. This sign is different. Death is something that affects everyone. Death is a reality that we don't want to think about and we don't want to talk about. Until death takes someone we know, someone we love, and we're forced to come face to face with death. That's why this sign is kind of like a dividing line in the Gospel of John. In incredible detail, John recounts witness testimonies of people who attested to Lazarus being dead and in the tomb for four days. And Jesus calls him out of the tomb, bringing Lazarus back to life. There's no missing the meaning of the sign. The prophet Ezekiel, who we heard in that first reading, century before Jesus' birth, spoke God's word telling his people, you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and have you rise from them, O my people. Lazarus coming back to life after being dead is as clear a sign as any that Jesus is God. That's amazing enough. And it's this pivotal moment that now the rest of John's gospel is going to focus on the seventh and final sign, the passion death, and resurrection of Jesus, which we'll all go into next week, starting next week with Holy Week. But for now, we stay with this gospel. Of all the details we find in this lengthy gospel, one that understandably draws the most attention is just two words, the shortest of verses in the entire Bible. Jesus wept. Weeping is something else that we might not want to revisit, but it's very much a human experience that we can relate to. We recognize the the intensity, the emotion 
that is reserved for things that touch us most, most deeply in our hearts and souls. So hearing Jesus wept definitely catches our attention as something very human that we can understand. It's such a dramatic detail, though. We can miss that right before and right after that, that we heard Jesus wept. We also hear Jesus being described as perturbed, deeply troubled, frustrated. What's causing such raw, deep human emotion for Jesus? That as Jesus performs his most amazing, miraculous signs to date, these actions, these emotions were noticeable to John and noteworthy for him to share them in his gospel. Because it's not like Jesus didn't know what had happened to Lazarus. He told us that at the very start of the story. Or what he himself was capable of doing, was about to do. He told them that too. It's not performative like Jesus is just acting for a dramatic effect here. And as much as he has great compassion and must have felt incredible empathy for Martha and Mary, he's about to instantly and immediately eradicate their pain and their sorrow. You would think he'd be excited at the anticipation of this absolutely exhilarating feat that he's going to accomplish and the happiness and the joy that that's going to bring. So why is Jesus weeping? Why is he perturbed? St. Thomas Aquinas explained, all anger and resentments are caused by some kind of pain and sadness. And Jesus is angered and saddened by death itself, which was inflicted upon the human race because of sin. He's weeping at the cruelty of death. He's angry at the devil and what he and his temptations and people's sins have done to unleash such brokenness, such destruction on humanity. He still is. He's still angry and weeps at that truth. This is another reason that this is called a sign rather than simply a miracle. A miracle is just limited to one particular historic event. Jesus raising his friend Lazarus back to life after being dead and in the tomb. That miracle happened. The fact that it's a sign means Jesus continues to do that. That he continues to bring life from death. And he wants to do that right here, right now, for every one of us. He's deeply troubled and weeps when he sees that there are things that undermine our lives of faith. He knows the pain that comes from people knowingly and unknowingly cooperating with evil. He sees how many in our church are almost zombie-like, going through the motions, rather than joyfully embracing, living, and sharing his gospel. What is it that we've buried or that is burying us? Maybe it's something from our past that we've ignored and tried to pretend we've moved on from. Maybe it's something ongoing that we're very much aware of, the selfish thoughts that have hurt, the self-centered actions that have caused pain, the patterns, the attitudes that have taken root, that we tell ourselves, it's just who we are. There's nothing we can do about it. 
whatever it is, as we enter into these last two weeks of Lent, Jesus is calling us out, calling us out from the lies that diminish us and diminish him and his love and his power. Calling us out from from those holds that the devil has on us to be unbound. Jesus is calling us out of these tombs into the fullness of life. What if we believed it was possible to stop falling into whatever sinful patterns that plague us? What if we put more energy and focus into thinking something could be different as we had thought for years that it's impossible to change? What if we stopped doing all this on our own and truly let Jesus into this this area of shame in our lives? And each of us let Jesus work with us to put whatever sinful pattern we're struggling with to death. May tonight be the night, be the day that a thousand days from now we'll look back as the, as the moment we heard, we believed, we experienced Jesus bringing us from death to life.